This is an ABC podcast. It's the middle of the day and I find myself at Bar Beach, sitting in the shade, can smell fish and chips. There's a pretty strong offshore wind that's threatening to take my skirt above my head, but also creating a really iconic spray off the back of a wave as it breaks. This is the first sunny day we've had in forever and people are taking advantage of it. To be honest, usually on a day like today, the water would be bright blue, but today it's a little different. It's a strange greeny brown colour, almost like a deep olive green. It's not quite the colour you want for your ocean. The other striking feature of Bar Beach right now are the bright orange bollards that stand on the north end of the beach and running alongside the surf house. This beach, like so many on the Hunter Coast, has gone through some really big change, thanks to rain, floods, really strong tides. I'm Kaya Hanley. This is the Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up. Today, why will our beaches feel a little different this summer as locals and tourists prepare to spend some time in the surf and sand? Beaches are a big part of being an Overcastrian. Redhead, Stockton, Merriweather, but real heads know that Bar Beach is the spot where the locals go for the good vibes. It's less acai bowl and a little more fish and chips. Where were you surfing this morning? Yeah, yeah. Nice. This yeah. this end? Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty pretty spectacular spot. Ted Bassingthwaite is one of those locals. He grew up on this beach. Uh, I've been coming to Bar Beach uh, since I was 12, and I'm 66, so that's at 50. Two years. Yeah. <laughs> we got up to all sorts of mischief <laughs> down here. It was the early 70s and Ted got the bug for surfing Bar Beach in a pretty big way. Well, growing up in the Housing Commission flats, there was three of us. We only had one surfboard and one wetsuit, so and we left it at my friend's house down the bottom of Glebe Road. And we, whoever got up the earliest got the surfboard, <laughs> got the wetsuit. So best in best one wetsuit the whole winter, we all ended up with boils at the end of the winter. <laughs> Was it instant love for surfing? Oh, it's addictive from the outset. I mean, in tandem with the culture and the the, um, the vibe of the place and, and the friendliness of the place, yeah, it was it was highly addictive. Ted's such a passionate local for surfing Bar Beach that he's actually the secretary of the Bar Beach Board Riders Club. If the break's not good here, do you come here anyway? Does yes. it feel like you're cheating yes. on the beach if you go to Merriweather? I've never surfed Merriweather. <laughs> wow! So that's an admission. Um, for a lot of reasons, um, I've always found a wave here and it's much more relaxed here for me. Mm. Yeah, I've never surfed to Merriweather. I've surfed Dixon Park and Pogos and Newcastle. And it doesn't it's, feel the same? Oh, it's very tribal. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like, it's not as if we're throwing spears at each other, but there is a, yeah. de- there is a demarcation. This is, your, this is your place, these are your people. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But at the moment, if you come down to Bar Beach, it's not what it was when Ted started surfing here. Across three bouts of La Nina and the subsequent low pressure systems, storms, floods, the golden sands have been stripped away from this beach. And so far, it hasn't come back. It ebbs and flows and it's currently back, particularly around the cliff and Dixon Park, more than it has been, but Bar Beach is still pretty, pretty devastated. 
Um, for the local family beach, there's not a lot of room for, unless you want to sit on the hot rocks. All this wet weather has dramatically changed the look of Bar Beach. It's not looking, the colour's not looking super enticing today either. No, because of all the, the rain. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not just the colour. Even the taste has changed. Does it change what it's like in the water at the moment with all the flood stuff, rain stuff? Yeah, you can taste it. And, um, <laughs> and it's not, sometimes it's not very pleasant. I bet you it isn't. Because there's a lot of superphosphate and rubbish comes down. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. For a diehard board rider like Ted, the lack of sand has really changed... The, the geography of the place. Mm. It's, it's just not a long, slow incline into the water now. It's kind of um, it's a bit of a hike. You've really got to know what you're doing. and It's actually quite difficult to navigate. There's a group of women and men that swim here in the mornings. You watch them and it's... Where it's just like this, it takes a long time because it's quite treacherous if, you're not, if you don't know what you're doing. The other thing that'll be obvious this summer is the, the surf club, the nippers. The nippers take over the beach and there's thousands, hundreds of them on the beach. There's no beach for them today. That's going to be a, that's going to be a radical change in the summer, the use by the, the nippers in the surf club. Well, yeah, and you're picking where you use the beach for certain things based on safety and yeah. the function of the beach as well. So if you lose that sandy element in front of the spot that's safer for the, the nippers, the swimmers to be in, that yeah. changes, as you said, whether even the flags can go out. That's right. That's right, exactly. It's, it has changed the... the um, amenability, if that's a word, of the beach for, for public users has changed radically. Does the sand come back? The sand should come back, but we're still waiting since March. It's a lot of, like, it's three and a half metres worth three of sand. Half, three and a half metres all the way along. As someone who goes to the coast every day, you know that the coast is always changing. Mm. I'm Associate Professor Hannah Power. I'm from the Earth Science Department at the University of Newcastle, and I study all things to do with the coast and the ocean and the processes that drive change in those environments. So things like how waves move sand around on our beaches. If we're trying to figure out what has happened at Bar Beach and how to fix it, Hannah Power is the person to call. And, you know, we've ha- we're going into a third La Nina in a row. You know, we've had two La Ninas, and during La Niña's, our storm waves tend to come from more of an easterly direction rather than a southerly direction. Mm. So normally on the east coast of Australia, our really big storms come from the south. And lots of our beaches face a bit more east, and so they tend to be a little bit protected from those southerly waves. But when the waves come from the east, they hit the beaches full on mm. and they can pull all that sand offshore. And that's what we're seeing at places like Bar Beach. Where's that three and a half metres of sand gone? So it's gone offshore. It's sitting out there. It's sitting in big sandbanks. Yep. Um, and one of the things that can happen is if you have a really, really big storm, those waves can pull sand really far offshore. And that sand can go out to depths that's actually too deep for really small waves to move. And so you need a, a bit of a, like an intermediate storm to bring that sand a little bit closer so that those small waves can bring it back onto the beach. So basically, since these big storms earlier in the year, we've been waiting for a storm to fix the problem, to send the sand back from where it came. Because otherwise, well, it's slow going. The sand is just like offshore, underwater, being slowly fed back by crashing waves. I am kind of pleased that there's not some poor beach on this side of New Zealand that has ended, woken up where we've lost three and a half. They've woken up and all of a sudden there's sand like halfway up their surf club. The sand hasn't gone that far <laughs> offshore. Okay. 
Good to know. Good to know. But that doesn't exactly solve our problem. Exposed rocks, not a lot of sand means that it's less safe for families and kids to run around this summer without risking cuts and bruises. To bring the sand back to Newcastle's southern beaches, including Bar Beach, it's estimated to cost the city of Newcastle more than $1.1 million. So one of the challenges we have along our coast is that with sea level rise, our shorelines and our beaches will want to move landwards. And in places like Bar Beach and Merriweather, we have infrastructure. Mm. And so there's actually nowhere for those beaches to go. And so we have this phenomenon called coastal squeeze, where we squeeze out those coastal environments. So whether or not in the very long term, a beach like Bar Beach or Merriweather will come back to that state that, you know, we might remember from the 90s Mm. or 80s or 70s, depending on how old (laughs) we are, um, depends on how much space there is for that beach to shift around in, how much... Um, movement that beach can have. Hmm. And what we'll probably find with some of our city beaches where we have a lot of infrastructure at the back of them is that they may not actually have anywhere to go. And if we want to maintain a beach there, we may have to have some human intervention. So things like sand nourishment, adding sand back into the beach artificially Hmm. to ensure that we have a place to put down our towel. But even if we replenish this sand through human intervention, It doesn't change the fact that these beaches are at continued risk with sea levels rising and stronger storms driving this coastal erosion. Pouring sand over the rocks isn't solving the problem. It's just one big sandy band-aid. And it doesn't begin to solve the issue of water quality with flood plumes and debris turning the water brown. It's really hard because normally we would see that the summer period would be a period where the beaches would replenish after, after winter storms. But La Nina doesn't necessarily afford our beaches <laughs> that opportunity, given it time, right? Yeah. And we're going into this La Nina in an already depleted state. Our beaches are already relatively low in terms of the amounts of sand on them. And so, unfortunately, this summer, the prognosis for our beaches this summer isn't great. Mm. But going forwards, you know, there is still opportunity for those sands, those sand to come back. Um, and we hope that with time they will. So for Bar Beach, this might not be the summer to remember, even with sand replenishment, and not only because it's meant to still be wet and stormy. What do you think Bar Beach looks like this summer, given where we are? Oh, fingers crossed. I, I, I'm really hopeful that the sand comes back and it goes back to our, our normal, because mm. it is a beautiful place, but I'm, I've got my doubts. Back on Bar Beach, sitting on the rocks with Ted, we started watching the surfers taking to the waves. Yeah. Well, it's 16 degrees today, so you know, you've got to be keen to get wet if you want to go for a swim. Oh. Even in its depleted state, even with the water coloured like copper, even at 16 degrees, surfers are still down here. It doesn't matter that it's not the same as it was. Bar Beach has built a community off its break. Out of all the beaches, out of all the stretches you could have ended up along here, what is it that keeps you coming back to this beach? The relationship um, was bonded because the guys that I was mixing with here, I actually went to school with a couple of them. Two of them that I started here was a 12-year-old, two of my best friends that I surf with now that still surf here. So the beach will change, but there will still be those bonds that are built here. Families visiting the area, mates coming down after school. Even if instead of running across the sand, you're carefully navigating rocks to dive in, paddle out and hang 10. Beaches are really dynamic environments and 
um, you know, they do change a lot. And we've only observed them as, as you know, I'm a white Australian. We've only observed them for a couple of hundred years. Mm. I think we need to look at these as really dynamic environments. We need to think about how we want to use our coastal environments going forwards as communities. What values do we really want to preserve? Mm. What are the most important things to us? Coming here, spending time here, a long time here, and then going to school and doing those other things, mm. that sort of evolved into, oh, we all got our licences together, we all kind of married around about the same time, girls from this beach. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much all of us married a girl from this beach <laughs> who came to this beach. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's very tribal. Sand does come and go. Yeah, it does. The Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up is produced on Awabakal Country. It's presented and produced by me, Kai Handley. Produced by Toby Hemmings. Our executive producer is Blythe Moore. And Bridget Murphy is our digital producer. If you like the pod, give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back next week with more local stories from around Newcastle and the Hunter Valley. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.